Hello and welcome. I'm Sophie Kilvert and today we wanted to focus in quite tightly on a couple of the companies that we hold in the portfolio. As many of you know, our investment process involves deep, fundamental research into the companies that we hold, looking not only at the figures and facts, but also engaging with the management teams of those companies so we can really understand what makes them perform over the long term. Now, to do this, we really have to understand the sectors within which they work. And we often find that when we really like a company in one sector, its peers look pretty interesting too. So today we're going to focus on the two payment companies that we hold in the portfolio, American Express and MasterCard. Now, they might appear quite similar at the outset, but we'll be looking at some of the differences between them and why we believe that they both deserve to be held in our portfolios. Now, I'm delighted to be joined by Ramesh Rajagopalan and Shannon McGee to delve into the subject a bit further. So, Ramesh, if I can start with you, these companies are ones that we're all very familiar with. They have a permanent place in our wallets, particularly in mine, I can confirm. They probably come out too regularly. They can seem quite similar on first glance. So tell us a little bit about how each of them do business. Thanks so much uh, for that, Sophie. Uh, It's great to be here. And um, of the two companies, let me start off with American Express. So American Express is the uh, well-known global brand, right? pretty synonymous with its uh, credit card product. So American Express is an integrated payments platform which issues cards to consumers and enables merchants to accept these card-based payments. American Express generates revenues by charging fees to consumers who have an Amex card uh, in their uh, wallet and uh, use it. And for the merchants, American Express charges um, a percentage commission based on the total uh, volume of spend which American Express brings to them. So uh, if if we step back and think about what makes this an attractive uh, business, American Express has a very attractive rewards offering for its uh, consumers based on the amount of spend uh, they put on the card. Right. Uh, this could be in the form of uh, points, which consumers can redeem for airline tickets or hotel room upgrades um, or Uber rides. Since these rewards are an attractive value proposition, consumers often prefer to use their American Express card as their primary purchasing card. The average American Express customer spends almost four times more on his or her Amex card as opposed to an average uh, Visa or MasterCard customer spends on their credit card. That that kind of gives you uh, an idea of the power of the Amex brand and the high spending uh, customer base uh, which American Express has. On the other side, on the side of the merchants, merchants are willing to pay American Express a percentage of uh, the spend which American Express brings to them because the Amex customers are high spending customers and they generate significant sales for the merchants and merchants want to have these customers purchasing from them. So the merchants pay on average about $2.30 for every $100 of spend which American Express brings to them. 
Amex has got this pretty interesting business model where it brings together consumers who want to spend with merchants who want the sales and it charges a certain fee to both sides of that transaction and thereby it kind of generates its profits. So that that's kind of how American Express works. Now, if we move to MasterCard, MasterCard is a slightly different business model. MasterCard is a payments network which partners with banks to enable payments, right? So unlike American Express, which we said is an integrated platform and has direct relationships with both consumers and merchants, MasterCard does not have a direct relationship with consumers or in merchants, but instead it has relationship with banks, which then establish relationships with the end consumers or with the merchants. And MasterCard finally has, has this payments network, which still enables merchants to uh, you know, accept payments. It enables consumers to pay using their MasterCard cards. But the difference with MasterCard is it keeps a much smaller portion of the total uh, commission which a transaction generates. For Amex, as I said, if it charges about $2.30 for every $100 which goes on its network, MasterCard keeps only $0.30 cents for every $100 of transactions which go on its network, and the rest is taken up by the banks. So MasterCard is a smaller part of the overall payments uh, uh, ecosystem, but one which is extremely profitable as well. Thank you for that, Ramesh. I suppose the follow-up question to that is that the two companies which do, as you say, operate slightly differently, but are within the same, as you say, the, the, the payments ecosystem, as it were. Why do we have both of them in the portfolio? We like both businesses, as both of them benefit from some similar structural tailwinds. This is the digitization of payments. That is payments moving from cash and check and other paper-based form of payments to digital formats. So that's a common underlying trend which has been happening for several years and which we think will continue happening for the foreseeable future. And both businesses benefit from this trend. But there are also quite significant differences. And let's look at some of them. American Express, as we said, is the well-known consumer brand. And it's got significant growth potential and market share gain potential coming from opportunities outside its core market, which is the United States. However, it also does come with some balance sheet risk as American Express does extend credit to its end consumers. And therefore, there's an element of potential losses associated with that credit, which Amex extends to its customers, especially uh, in times of macroeconomic stress, like what we've seen in 2020. On the other side, MasterCard is a pure technology platform. It does not have any credit risk exposure. It benefits from the move away from cash and check to digital forms of payments, of which card is just one kind of payment. MasterCard also has exposure to what we call alternate payment rails. So what that term means is consumers paying for the goods and services they buy is only one kind of payments, which we've talked about so far. There are payments which businesses make to each other. And these kinds of payments are still in their very early stages of digitization. 
And MasterCard as a technology platform has significant potential to take share in the business-to-business payments ecosystem as well. So those are a few differences between American Express and MasterCard. And so we believe that both of them have a place in the portfolio and can generate attractive returns for our clients for years to come. I think it's interesting that we've owned American Express now for for seven or eight years or so, since 2013. MasterCard was a more recent addition back in 2018. Now, that seems to me to show that our experience with American Express was a good one, such that we looked around at its peers, albeit there are differences between them. Can you tell me a little bit more about the process of how we go about adding companies to the portfolio? We'll look specifically at MasterCard, if that's right. What are we looking for in companies that means that they earn their place? We are looking to buy into competitively advantaged businesses, which we believe can grow their earnings power over long periods of time and are run by competent management teams. Once we identify such businesses, we want to be quite disciplined in what we are willing to pay to buy into these businesses. So that's why often it can be months or even years of learning about a business and following the businesses before we are willing to buy into these businesses. You mentioned there about the competitive advantage. That seems to to be at the heart of what you guys in the investment management team are, are looking for. Can we talk a little bit about the competitive advantages of MasterCard then? MasterCard, we think, benefits from two key competitive advantages. One is what we call the network effect, and the other is scale. And let's take a deeper look at both these uh, advantages. MasterCard connects about 50 million merchants globally with about 2.7 billion consumers in a complex network. This network is something which we believe is extremely difficult to replicate. It processes about $4.7 trillion worth of transactions on its platform annually and makes about 0.3 cents per dollar of transaction on its network. These are some of the numbers I'm sharing to illustrate those competitive advantages, right? So first, if we take that network of 50 million merchants and 2.7 billion consumers, just for context, 2.7 billion MasterCards outstanding in this world means there's probably one for every three people in this world. Gives you an idea of the reach and the scale of this business. To build this network or to replicate this network is extremely, extremely difficult. If somebody were to come to you or me, Sophie, and you know, offer us a billion dollars to go and build another network like this, how would we go about doing it, right? How mm-hmm. would any competitor build a network again to connect billions of consumers on one side with tens of millions of merchants on another side and have the global banks in, in the mix? So that gives you an idea of how difficult it is to create that network. Now, let's look at the second part of the competitive advantage, which we said is scale. Even somehow, let's assume that we are su- somebody else is successful in building out an alternate network. How would they price the product at less than 0.3 cents per dollar on the transactions on the network and get people to adopt that, that network and move away from MasterCard? 
So there is, there is almost no way in which they can have a price low enough to convince lots of cardholders to move away from MasterCard, the banks to move away from MasterCard, and the merchants to start accepting MasterCard. So the combination of network effects and scale benefits make it extremely, extremely difficult, if not impossible, for other competitors to come and take away MasterCard's business. And that is the heart of MasterCard's competitive advantage. Now, I mentioned earlier that one of the key parts of your research is getting that engagement with the management team of the companies. And it's about that relationship with them um, so that you can understand what makes them tick and particularly how the management team allocate the capital, which will help obviously in the performance of the company over the long term. So that's something that you seek to nurture with all the companies in the portfolio. Is it always possible to do that? In our investment framework, we speak about business, management, and price as being the three pillars of our investment approach. We want to have competitively advantaged businesses, which are also run by competent management teams purchased at a fair price. So management uh, is an extremely important part of our investment decision making. However, what we need to know about management teams, we do get to know a lot from management comments as well as their actions in the past. So by studying what a management team has done and by looking at the financial performance of the business over many years and looking at how management have spoken about the business, how they've operated the business and how they've allocated capital, we can make quite a good judgment about the quality of the management teams. But once we get there, we do put in a lot of time and effort in terms of liaising with management teams to really understand how they're thinking about the business, how they're thinking about the future of the business, and how they intend to uh, run the business as well as uh, deploy uh, capital. So particularly in the case of MasterCard, we do have pretty good access to management. We've met with the CEO and the CFO several times in the past. We've attended uh, several of their investor days uh, going back many years. And so we do have that relationship built out with the MasterCard management team. One piece of feedback we as, uh, as an investment team have received from management teams of uh, you know various companies we've invested in is that they do enjoy meeting with us uh, because we are long-term investors. They enjoy talking to us and enjoy some of the discussions we have because we are approaching those meetings as potential business owners who want to own the business for an extended period of time, right, over five or 10 years. And so the questions we have for management teams tends to focus on the long term, whereas uh, lots of investor meetings tend to be more shorter term focused. So that, that's, that's another way in which we try to differentiate ourselves as investors to the management teams so that they would want to liaise with us. And I think that relationship between you obviously becomes so important, particularly at times when it looks like our conviction in these companies could be tested. And I think the past year has given us a, a big example of that. I think we've had to really look at all the companies that we own in the portfolio and, and check that they, they still deserve a place there. Now, looking at the two we're talking about today, American Express and MasterCard, they're 
companies, obviously, as you told us, Ramesh, they're companies that rely on people spending. And with the drop in spending over the last year, um, they've probably had quite an interesting time. Shannon, how have they fared? An interesting time is a is a great way to put it. Um, <laughs> in the context of a year defined by COVID-19 lockdowns and travel restrictions, both companies have fared very well. If we take it back to March last year, when the lockdowns started coming into place, we worked closely with both MasterCard and American Express to understand what impacts they were seeing and how their businesses were reacting to this particular kind of shock. And the insights we got from that close communication with both companies helped better inform our stress tests. When we were doing those stress tests, we were really interested in two overarching questions. Number one, was there any fundamental risk to these businesses? And secondly, how would the earnings power or the net profitability of these companies be impacted? On that first point, after assessing the liquidity and solvency of both businesses and after our calls with the companies, we were confident there was no fundamental business risk for either company. So they were both going into this with a strong balance sheet and debt markets were also open to them. So we were pretty confident they would get through this just fine. And now with the benefit of hindsight, so far we can see that neither company has had any liquidity or solvency issues. On that point, they've fared as we expected them to. And then on the second point, we expected that the earnings of both companies would be significantly impacted. MasterCard and American Express, they both make money when people spend using their card. And so a large part of their revenue moves with that spend. But different types of spend is actually more profitable than others. So, for example, MasterCard makes six to seven times more on a cross-border transaction than on a domestic transaction. And international travel is a big driver of those cross-border transactions. So we expected MasterCard's earnings to be down 20 to 25% in 2020, driven by lower revenues, largely because of that decline in international travel. But their actual results were slightly better than our expectations. I think the most interesting thing we have seen over the last 12 months is the underlying trends in consumer behavior. We've seen that the shift away from cash and check toward digital payments has actually accelerated during the pandemic. There has been an increased aversion to cash and preference for contactless payments. And there has also been an increase in e-commerce or online spend, which is all digital spend. And on that contactless point, MasterCard actually increased the contactless limit on its cards across 29 countries in Europe. So people could spend without having to touch pin pads because people were looking for more hygienic ways to make payments. 
And that aversion to cash and preference for contactless payments and increased online spend is beneficial for MasterCard and American Express in the context of a world where 40% of the value in spend is still in the form of cash and check. Whether those trends remain in place once the COVID-19 crisis dies down is something we'll just have to wait and see. (laughs) But both MasterCard and American Express have fared well over the last year, and they both continue to hold their competitive advantages. I guess, obviously, the last year has has been, I'm I'm bored of using the word unprecedented, but there's no real other word to use. But the analysis that you talked through there when you were talking about looking in real detail at the company's balance sheets to make sure they could continue, that's not just work that you do in times of shock, is it? It's something that you do all the time. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So when we initially invest in a business, we need to have conviction in its ability to maintain a competitive advantage over time. But the research doesn't stop at the point of investment. We look at the quarterly results published by the companies. We do a review every six months to analyze the key operating trends of each business. We attend the investor days. We have calls with industry experts And we do an annual review each year, which is a larger piece of work we do to really update ourselves on the quantitative and qualitative progress made by each business over the last year. In that annual review, we aim to answer whether the investment is still on the roadmap. Has the intrinsic value of the business changed? Has the economic moat widened or narrowed? And Also, to highlight any issues for further detailed work, we do continuous monitoring of all the positions in the portfolio to make sure they continue to match or exceed our expectations and to make sure they continue to hold their competitive advantages. So that's great. It's been amazing hearing about what a good company they are to invest in. But Ramesh, if I could turn you on to the negative slightly, you've talked about the fact that it's unlikely that a competitor could come along easily and and enter the market. But there must be other threats to MasterCard and American Express's competitive advantages. What could they be? Yeah, threats. Threats to businesses are some things we worry about quite a lot. And um, if history tells us anything, it is that most businesses uh, get their competitive advantages eroded over long periods of time. And businesses which have once been absolutely dominant in their fields over years and decades could be very pale shadows of their former selves. So... Threats are some things we tend to worry about quite a lot. And a big part of our monitoring process, which Shannon spoke about, is really to keep an eye out for those threats. Now, given that we tend to own pretty competitively advantaged and solid businesses, it's often not easy to think about the threats, but they are very real. They do exist. So in case of uh, MasterCard, let's start with MasterCard. One of the biggest threats we uh, see from MasterCard or what we worry about is the impact of 
evolving technology, uh, especially blockchain. Blockchain as a technology is what's called a distributed ledger technology. Um, and it, it, it's a technology which enables data to be stored and processed in a very decentralized manner. So this technology can have significant uh, impacts on how a lot of things in the world work. The core of what MasterCard does, it enables the smooth occurrence of payments, right, between two parties who do not know each other and who may not know each other ever in the future, right? As a consumer, when I go to pay a merchant, it's very likely I'm not going to see that merchant in the future, that the merchant knows nothing about me, and yet the transaction takes place because the merchant knows that he or she is going to get the money uh, from a consumer he or she has never uh, seen. And I, as a consumer, I'm happy to you know make the payments in certain cases, knowing that you know the merchant will complete uh, his or her part of the transaction. And when we think about how blockchain can evolve over long periods of time, blockchain can evolve to be a credible alternative uh, rail to MasterCard. So based on our work, what we know as of now is that blockchain is not a viable threat to MasterCard as the technology exists today. But that's not to say that that will be the case over five or 10 years. So that's a threat which we uh, monitor very, very closely about how blockchain is evolving, what are the different use cases for blockchain, and how uh, it can potentially be uh, a threat to MasterCard. So if there was one threat I would really worry about for MasterCard, it's, it's blockchain and how, how it evolves. Um, and what we are doing about it is to monitor its developments very closely. For American Express, it's similar but maybe slight, slightly, slightly different. Um, blockchain, as we've said, is, is is one threat. But for American Express, it it the core of the business is really the brand, right? The brand which resonates with um, high spending consumers, and it's a rewards platform which keeps uh, American Express at the top of uh, everyone's wallet. So the risk to American Express, which we worry about, is other card issuers uh, coming in and creating an equal or better rewards uh, value proposition uh, so that high-spending consumers would, pre uh, would prefer other cards than American Express. In order to mitigate that, American Express has got to stay uh, relevant to its customer base, innovate on its uh, card products and card offers, keep its products fresh, and really take care of its brand, uh, which is synonymous with extremely good service. So those are the things we look for in terms of American Express maintaining its competitive advantage. And uh, we keep an eye out for anyone else trying to come in and uh, you know, do those things better. Now, Shannon, we've heard from Ramesh about some of the threats to these companies and, and where they need to be looking for that. But where do you think the opportunities might be? When we look at MasterCard today and compare that to where they were in 2018 when we made the initial investment, they have continued to grow their network effect and they've also sustained their pricing power. MasterCard now processes just shy of $5 trillion in payment vol volumes. 
which Ramesh alluded to earlier, and that's up roughly half a trillion from when we invested. And that five trillion translates to about 65 billion transactions each year. That level of scale and its network effect are nearly impossible to replicate for new market entrants. And yet the growth runway is still significant because global personal consumption expenditure is about $45 trillion and cash and check still represents about 40% of that. And we expect consumers to continue to gradually shift away from cash and check towards digital payments. We also expect cross-border transactions to grow over time with travel and cross-border commerce. And remember, those cross-border transactions are the most lucrative for MasterCard. So if our starting point was today, MasterCard's prospects still look very bright. Thank you very much, Ramesh and Shannon. I think you've given us a really good insight into the depth of research that you undertake and how sometimes one idea can lead to another. One of the things I always find interesting and important is the level of engagement that you have with the management teams of these companies. Now that of course is always important, but as we've spoken about today, becomes particularly more so in challenging times as we've seen over the last year. So thank you all very much for listening today. As always, we'd be delighted to talk to you about anything that we've spoken about in this podcast or any other issues that might come up. We're always happy to talk to you. So thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. Please note, this audio content is produced by Rothschild & Co. for information purposes only. The podcast is not provided as a solicitation, recommendation or invitation to buy or sell any security, fund or any other banking or investment product. Nothing in this podcast constitutes advice of any sort and no responsibility is accepted in relation to the content accuracy or any reliance on the information provided. The value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up and you may not recover the amount of your original investment. Past performance should not be taken as a guide to future performance. This content should only be used or reproduced with the express written permission of Rothschild & Co.